0: To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message.
1: Today's reading is from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, Not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of his word. Amen. You may be seated.
0: So today, today is Epiphany Sunday. Another one of those wonderful words that... uh, that we talk about, those wonderful big, long church words and epiphany and what might that mean. Uh, but first, before we dive into that, I just wanted to uh, remind you that, uh, that you're back to having a compass guide. You have scriptures to reflect on throughout the week, and there are certainly questions for you to reflect on and spaces to take notes uh, so that when God speaks to you, even in this kind of interesting message that we have this morning, that when God speaks to you that you might write that down. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, that we come striving to hear your word, and so we, we listen for your story, your story told through scripture and through, through our lives. So God, I ask that you speak. We are listening, and let the words that I speak no longer be my own, but that they would be your words, your words for your people. Amen. So, Epiphany Sunday. What exactly is Epiphany? Uh, other than sometimes thinking of it as this aha moment. Uh, what is Epiphany Sunday? And really what it is, is it's, it's when we celebrate the arrival of the Magi, the visit of the Magi to, to visit the infant Jesus. Which signifies something pretty incredible. Because uh, really what it does is it signifies that the gospel... Is for all people. And here this message comes that the Magi visit and and let the whole world know that it's not just for, not just for the people that everyone thought, the Israelites. That this is for all people all across the world. And so this is what this is. I mean, the Magi, when you think about it, after they visited Jesus, where did the Magi go? we don't really hear much in that story but where did they go what did they talk about i'm sure that they shared the story shared the story of what they saw what they encountered what they experienced they shared the story and i think we need to as well that we need to also share the story I think about this other passage that we read this morning from Ephesians. I think about Paul writing this. And some of the words that he shares in that letter to to the church in Ephesus about how he felt about himself that he was the least of all. The least of all people. Now why would he have thought that? Well, certainly as we talked a little bit about Wednesday morning. Uh, was that, you know, here Paul was, what was he doing prior to his transformation? He was persecuting all those who followed Jesus. And so Paul considered himself the least. Maybe he was considering himself humble. Maybe that he was aware of who he was, aware that, that he knew. Just who he was and what he had done. So, in a way, this is how I approach my calling into ministry. You see, today is not only Epiphany Sunday, but it is also Clergy Day of Call. So it is that day that, that I express my call into ministry. And now I know that for many of the former Epworth members, you received part of this story in the second week that I was here. I shared kind of my, my backstory and how I gotten to this particular point in my life. Uh, but I also realized that there are many of you that have not heard it. Uh, and so when this opportunity came to, to share my story, I said, what a wonderful idea. Because not only is it me sharing my story so that you know who I am and where where my call came from, but it's also to to maybe even inspire you. And maybe a calling that, that you have, maybe it is a calling into ministry. You might think that it might be well past that. I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> so my story. Uh, growing up, I was born and raised in Rockford, Illinois. Growing up, I was, I was born to a lower middle class family. Didn't have a whole lot. Wasn't a lot of extras that we would have. My, my dad worked two jobs. My mom worked. Uh, you know, it was trying to make ends meet all the time. But I don't think we ever lacked for anything. I've got two brothers and an older brother and a younger brother. Older brother lives around the, in Belvedere. My younger brother lives in Morrison, Illinois. Uh, so they're still a little bit further west. Uh, but we, I mean, like I said, we never really lacked for much. Even though maybe in the, in the social status of things, we were kind of in that middle to lower part. It was just who we were. Growing up in the church was kind of interesting because when I, uh, when I entered into my home church, Beth Eden, United Methodist Church in, in Rockford, uh, that I didn't walk into the church. I was carried into the church. You see, my grandparents were charter members of that church. Charter members of Beth Eden. And so that was all I knew. Beth Eden was the church I knew from, from when I was born until I moved away in, in 2015 as part of the call. Beth Eden had always been my home church and will always be my home church. So I was carried into church, uh, which also meant that, that the congregation there had a wonderful opportunity. As, as all of you do as well. You know, every time there is, there is an infant baptized... You carry this, this, I wouldn't call it a burden. I would call it a call because you speak words during that baptism about what you plan on doing and how you plan on, on supporting this new child. And so my home church at Beth Eden took their baptism vows and they took them seriously. They helped guide me through a lot of my formative years. I mean, I remember growing up in the church and I remember choir I was in children's choir from, from really early on. Uh, my, my children's choir director was probably one of the most instrumental people in my life uh, to guide me along this path of following Jesus. I remember singing in the choir. I remember singing in adult choir. I remember youth groups youth group gatherings and mission trips and experiences that we had through different events and concerts and yes, I dare even say lock-ins. Although as an adult now, lock-ins have a completely different meaning for me. Uh, and actually for all of us, probably the whole word lock-in, we don't want to talk about much. Uh, yeah. But they were events and experiences that helped form me. In school, growing up, whether it was elementary or middle or high school, I was—I was never really one in the in the the in crowd, the popular group. Not sure if many of you were, but I was just kind of one of those little outsiders. Uh, I kept to myself, but see, music was my escape. Music meant so much to me; it still does. I mean, when I got into, uh, when I got into high school, uh, I remember getting into high school, and uh, that brought around orchestra, which if many of you might remember, this is where I met my future wife. <laughs> Sherry and I shared a music stand in orchestra in high school, uh, and I will always, to this day, she will shake her head no, don't believe her, I am the one telling the truth, that she was a much better violin player than I was. And since I was last chair, she played down to my chair. Mm. But, uh, but I, also, uh, I, I was also in choir. I was in musicals in high school. was in the, uh, the barbershop quartet in Music Man. Uh, a number of other musicals that we shared. Uh, and then there was this group of guys that I got together with and started to sing with during my freshman year of high school in the Alleluia Quartet. A quartet that continues to this day. One of the significant events that, uh, that happened in my life was uh, Sherry and I went to a concert. Uh, it was a contemporary Christian music concert. I wouldn't expect many of you to know this group, but DeGarmo and Key was playing at the Midway Theater in Rockford. And we went to go listen to them play. And uh, they had a wonderful message behind a lot of their music, especially one song called Casual Christian which really kind of cut me to the quick. It really kind of kind of stirred my heart that night. Uh, and then they, they called out an altar call. I, I remember going down and I remember talking with them and uh, I remember them uh, meeting with us after the concert. I remember all of those that had gone to the altar call, we went off to another room afterwards and Eddie DeGarmo and Dana Key came out and, uh, and shared another message with us gave us all one-year New Testaments, uh, which is still in my office upstairs, with the ticket inside of it, still hold on to that. It was one of those experiences that really kind of helped shape me again and helped me guide me on this, this journey that I was on, even though at this point I had no idea where this was all going to lead. When do we all really know when all, where all of this is going to lead, right? So, after that, I started to begin to think that I was being called into Christian music. Contemporary Christian music, CCM. I was, if you remember, I was going to be the next Michael W. Smith. <laughs> At least in my head, it was working out that way. So I found a college. I Actually, the college kind of found me, I would say, because I actually first applied to Millikan. Uh, but my grades weren't good enough, so I couldn't get into Millican. Uh, maybe this was one way God was kind of guiding along. Uh, because Greenville College came up, and Greenville College uh, had an ad in a CCM magazine. And I thought, oh, this would be great. Since I'm going to be the next Michael W. Smith, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to learn the music industry, and, and, and this is going to work for me. And so I got down there and things started to change because I realized that that being down there, if I was going to go into the music scene, that I would just need to pack up and move to Nashville and camp out on somebody's doorstep in order for that to happen. And I wasn't really ready to pack up and leave. So I changed degrees multiple times. I became a bachelor of, uh, it was a BME, Bachelor of Music Education. Went on from that to just a straight Bachelor of Arts in music which is where I ended up. And I think I realized now that, that at the time, I was trying to tell God what I should do instead of actually listening to what God was telling me. And so I kept journeying down this path that I was on. And after graduation, I, I came home, I, I got married, and we started a family. But we didn't start the family the normal way. Uh, we had two daughters. The first one came out and she was very early. You might remember the story that uh, when she was born, she was just over 24 weeks. Uh, and so she was in the NICU for about three months. Uh, when she came out, she was one pound, three and a half ounces. Just about the size of a Barbie doll. Uh, and we spent three months in the NICU. Which started to really focus our attention on what was really important. Started to make me think that, man, I need to do some changing. Because many of us in our 20s and 30s do a little bit of wandering away from the church and coming back. And, and so that happened a little bit. Uh, but, but the story didn't end really there and so what I, what I need to do is before we, before we get into this part of the story, I need to let everybody know that if you ever had thoughts about a, about a pastor being perfect, about a pastor having it all together and, and never really straying or questioning or doubting, uh, if that's your view of who the pastor should be, you might want to plug your ears uh, because that is not my life. So after Stephanie was born, things started going really well. And, and after they were going really well, we thought this is really cool. My job moved me around. I went from different rental house to different rental house. And, and then my job moved me to Appleton, Wisconsin. Actually, Menasha, but not many people know where Menasha is. So that's just on the south side of Appleton. And I was up there for about a year, year and a half. During that time, uh, things started to really shift for for us as a family because once we moved up there, we didn't find a church home. We just kind of were on our own. But while we were up there, uh, something happens within the construction equipment rental business, and that is is that if you're ever going to close a deal on construction equipment rental, there's one place that you usually do it. And that's usually in the bars. And so I spent a lot of time in the bars. Spent a lot of time talking to customers. I spent a lot of time up there in the bars drinking. Until one night, I came home, didn't know how I got home. But I came home and after I woke up the next morning, Sherry was packed and leaving. She was heading back to Rockford. And that's when I realized that something was going on something happened. And I was about ready to lose everything that I really cared for. And so I had some, some big decisions to make. Trying to figure out what in the world was I going to do? Where was my life leading me? And, and so after a lot of deep thinking, I decided I needed to go down and have a really long conversation with Sherry. And so after that weekend, I drove down. And we had some really good conversations about where we needed to go and what we needed to do. And one of those was moving back to Rockford. To eliminating that part of my life and coming back to Rockford even though I was still in the equipment rental business. But you see, God kept me safe not only during the drive home that night up in Wisconsin, but God also kept Sherry and I together. You know, because this could have gone sideways so many different times. So once back in Rockford, things started to change. We started to get involved back with my home church again. Jessica was born early, not quite as early. She was 32 weeks, so she was 2 pounds 12 ounces. That was huge! (laughs) Nurses couldn't quite understand when I went in and said, wow, she's so big! She's really small. And I said, you have to understand. Of course, some of them, because they were the same nurses, it was the same NICU, some of them understood what we were going through. So yeah, things started to go back on track. Things started to move forward again. And in in 2010, I was approached with a, a position at the church. Now, Understand. I was still working full time. I was working with area rental and sales, and I was uh, still enjoying the rental business. But on the same hand, the church found out that their choir director was leaving, and the choir director, unbeknownst to me, wrote a letter to the SBRc. wrote them to that wrote a letter to the committee, and said that she was retiring, uh, but that she also knew that the church was going to need to go on an in-depth search for a new choir director and a new organist. And she said, I don't think you need to search very far. I think that person is already here. And so she named me. She said, I think Jared could be your choir director. You have to find somebody to play the piano. The organ, but I think Jared is the one that is going to fill that spot. So the choir director resigns. I go on this three-day retreat called Walk to Emmaus, discerning whether or not I should take that position as the worship and technology director, which also was the choir director. And so during that Walk to Emmaus, that retreat, Something awoken in me. This desire for for life within the church, for serving God in any way that I possibly can. And so during that retreat, I made the decision that yes, I was going to be the next worship and technology director at Beth Eden. Unbeknownst to me, that was just another stepping stone. Because my call into ministry is an incremental one. It takes step after step which is maybe where some of you are too. There was a church council meeting that we had, uh, and during the church council meeting, uh, one of the pastors uh, was going to be away for a few, actually for about a month or so. And during that, uh, during that time, they were needing somebody to fill the pulpit because we were part of a three-church co-op. Uh, and so two churches, uh, we had Harlem and Evans UMC, and then Beth Eden was kind of the home one. Uh, And so during the ad council, one of the associate pastors said, hey, do you know of anybody who could fill the pulpit for a couple of weeks here at Beth Eden? Without skipping a beat, Sherry said, Jared will do it. (laughs) She had, you know, you could talk to her about it. You could ask her about this. She had no idea she was even going to say that. All of a sudden, boom, it came out. And he looked at me and he said, well, Jared, what do you think? Sure, why not? It was Pentecost Sunday. Gave my first sermon on Pentecost Sunday. And as soon as I finished, I realized that this, that this is the call. It wasn't to sing in the choir, it wasn't to direct the choir, it wasn't to be the technology director of the church, but it was to be in ministry to be an ordained ministry. All my life experiences, this is this journey, the journey that I have taken to this point. All my life experiences, my work experiences, my music experiences, and my walk to Emmaus all led to this moment. I remember reflecting back on this and thinking, wow, man, if God had called me back in undergrad at Greenville College, I would have laughed. Because the class that I hated the most out of all of them was speech. <laughs> hated that class. And if man, if, if I was going to write a speech every week and stand up and deliver it, I would never. No. But you see, God knew that I wasn't ready. God knew that back at that time I would not have been ready to do this. And so, all of these experiences that I've had have led me to this point. Singing with the quartet, being in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people, singing the the national anthem for sporting events, working in the rental business, all helped me to become who I am today and to be comfortable in talking with people and sharing with people and standing up in front of all of you. The final discernment The final discernment came in 2012 because, like I said, as soon as I gave that Pentecost message, I was like, yeah, this feels really right. And so my associate pastor at Beth Eden, when I was there, I told him about this and he says, okay, so here's what you need to do. You need to read a book and not just the Bible. You need to read a book. And and so this book is called The Christian as Minister. He says, you're going to read it and you're going to understand because it really kind of talks about what a minister's job is because it's not a one-day-a-week gig. Uh, and he says, I think you know that, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't. Uh, so he says, read that and, and spend some time thinking and praying about it and, and see where God is leading you. And so it was in the summer of 2012 uh, that I went up to Whitewater Lake. My parents had a trailer up there. Uh, and while I was up there, I remember standing looking over the the little pond that they had outside their trailer. And as I looked out over that pond, I said, God, if this is what you're calling me to, here it comes. I need a sign. (laughs) You know, I need to know, you know, in my heart that this is what you're calling for me. And it was at that moment, in that 80, 85 degree day, that a chill came over me. And it stayed with me for like five minutes. It wouldn't go away. And I realized at that moment that that God was speaking to me. Not an audible voice, but God was speaking to my heart. God was speaking to my soul. And so then I asked the second question. (laughs) God, if this is your will, you're going to need to clear a path because I can't see it right now. I'm full-time in a rental business. I am part-time working at the church. Finances are not the greatest. You're going to have to clear a path because seminary is not cheap. And so, I remember the first part of it was... uh, I, I, because basically I said, I'm, I'm just going to step out with a leap of faith and say, God, you're going to take care of this, so, so I'm going to apply to seminary, and so I applied to University of Dubuque, was accepted, and then I called my boss and said, we need to sit down and have lunch. And so as we sat down and we had lunch that day, uh, I, I told him, I said, look, I, I got to tell you something. I said, I'm, I'm going to give you the longest notice known to man. <laughs> I'm going to give you a one-year's notice. I said I'm going into ministry. I've been accepted at seminary. It doesn't start until uh, until September of next year, and so I, I'm going to need to be done by June. And he says, Jared, I got to tell you something. I'm looking to sell the business. <laughs> I went, wow, just another confirmation as to where God was leading. So I helped him transition out of, you know, selling the business to somebody else, and by the time we finished, it was the end of March. And he said, Jared, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you through, through till June. And so he took care of me with health insurance and with, uh, and with pay through till June. Things just kind of laid out for me. In schooling, I, I remember uh, looking at the looking at tuition and everything else, and I thought, man, okay, so we've got we've got student loans, we've got grants, we've got all this other stuff, but there's still a big chunk that's left over, and I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. A friend of mine from church, I, her father owned a hydraulic business in in Rockford, and and somehow the conversation came around about sponsoring a student and i said would he be interested she came back a couple of days later and she said his his comment basically was when you finish paying with all of the grants and the student aid and everything else when you get that final bill and you let us know what that number is he'll write you a check and so he wrote a check for whatever was left over God cleared a path God continues to clear paths I remember my first appointment in Lanark and I told the the district superintendent I said look I said here's the problem I said I can't go into a quarter time or a or a half time appointment uh family uh needs uh, is too great. Lanark was a full-time appointment, but it was three-quarter time for my final year at seminary. They made it that way to make all things work. God cleared paths and God continues to clear them. My ordination process, uh, as you are very well aware, uh, being ordained after moving here, My call into ministry has been an incremental one. My calling into ministry has been one little step after another. And as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus about being the least of these, there are times when I feel the least of these. Saying, God, are you sure that you can use me? After all that I've done, after all of the places that I've been, that, God, you could still use me? And every day, God still shows me that, yes, I can use you. And so maybe you're feeling that way this morning. They say, God, can you use me? Maybe that's not into ministry. Maybe that's not into ordained ministry but maybe it's where you are right now. That God can use you wherever you are. All of your life experiences lead up to this point where God uses every piece of your history to form your journey. To form your journey of hope. (laughs) And so what I want us to do is as we Close this part of the service. I'm going to ask us to, uh, to sing a verse out of near to the heart of God, and I want you to just reflect on that. Reflect on being close to God, hearing God's call on your life, and what is it that God is calling you to? Let us sing. A place of quiet rest Near to the heart of God A place where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of God O Jesus, blessed, redeemed from the heart of, God. hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. So enter into this time, drawing near to God, and so as we take a moment to reflect on that, I also. Ask us to think about where God is calling us to give. Not just financially, but giving of ourselves, our gifts, to use in God's kingdom. We have been fed. And we have been blessed. Through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to stand as you are able. And share in our closing hymn as we celebrate this clergy day of call. And not only that, but, but your day of call. We celebrate it by saying, yes, here I am, Lord. Send me. I will. So as you think about God speaking to you today and where you heard the Spirit's voice, maybe even in the past in your life, where God might be calling you, where God might be leading you, are you ready to respond with here I am, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Are you calling me to do this or to do that? I pray that we all can respond with here I am. Send me. And so now go, knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.